Wild Strawberries is a Ingmar Bergman film from Sweden from 1957, and it is a film about a retired uh, doctor who is being given a honorary degree as the in sort of a recognition of his many many years of service, and decides at the last minute to drive from his home to the city where the uh, doctor will be given. Uh, in order to, I don't know, just get out in the world and takes his daughter-in-law with him. Uh, and along the way, they he he sort of remembers uh, summers of the past with his cousins and his family and uh, experiences the world around him again and deals with the fact that he has a pretty crappy relationship with his uh, daughter-in-law and his son, her husband. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what the film's about. Uh, this month, I'm joined by my friend Patrick Gibson. Uh, how you doing, Patrick? Good. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Ah, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So let me start by asking you, uh, what did you think of the film? Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I did like it. Um, there's a lot to say about it. I don't really know where to start. What do you What do you typically Where do you typically bite in to this to the movie sandwich? <laughs> As it that's, were. That's a wonderful metaphor. I hadn't, I never thought of that before. Uh, so, you know, I, I like to just kind of pick anything that I thought was interesting about it and, and start talking. So maybe I'll start with something that I'm going to guess that you don't know, which is um, the guy who plays the main – so the main character's name is Isak Borg. Which I thought was funny, by the way. <laughs> just Star Trek-wise? Just right, no, just right away, Borg, Borg, Borg. But <laughs> Oh, I, sure, sure, yeah. like Swedish meatball style. Of course. Yeah, but, okay. But, yeah, sorry. No, no, not Continue. at all. So um, it, that the guy who played uh, Isak Borg is, a, is in Sweden a very famous uh, guy um, that you wouldn't know who he was if, unless you're Swedish, but he was a, a guy named Victor Sjöström. I'm probably butchering the Swedish on that, but... He was a director who made uh, one of the a very influential uh, early silent film that I happen to love that Ingmar Bergman also happened to love uh, called The Phantom Carriage, which is this really cool uh, silent film about the um, the idea that the last person to die every year has to act as death for the next year. Ooh. Yeah, it's really it's creepy and it's cool. It's awesome. And uh, uh, Bergman said that if he that he wrote this role and this part with Stjostrom in mind, and if he couldn't have gotten him, he just wouldn't have made the movie. So Whoa. yeah, and I I think that uh, you can kind of tell the, first of all the love that Bergman clearly has for the character, but also I, I think Victor Stjostrom does such a phenomenal job in this film. Like he, I could listen to him talk. Yeah, absolutely. The acting is wonderful. Um, it's interesting for me having not seen a. Gosh, even just a black and white film in a long, long time, it's, it was at first somewhat difficult to readjust to that sort of, to the slow pace and the, the, the deliberateness of everything. Um, but it's also very comforting once you get into it that there is no, uh, the hype is very relaxed. Like it's, it's a very, um, the story is very much about the characters and very much about him, which is very comforting in a way. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. 
Uh, I specifically enjoyed, gosh, just trying to go into it here. I specifically enjoyed that he was just in a car. That he, uh, decide, by, by deciding to take the car instead of the train, or sorry, instead of the plane, um, he gave himself all this time to kind of think about things, uh, which people don't really do anymore, which you don't really get a lot of anymore. I mean, you get it on air travel, kind of, when you're disconnected and you don't have, you know, Wi-Fi service or cell service. But you don't really see that very often anymore. And so there was a lot of so much introspection, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I think that um, so wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool, interesting things to. to, to talk it's about. a really it's like it's it's interesting because it's such a simple simple story. It's like nothing really happens in the film, but at the same time, there's so much that, that there's so much to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. So um, to start with the pacing comment that you made, I uh, it is fascinating to me. So you know, obviously, I watch a lot of old films and. Uh, when I started doing this, I think I've talked about this maybe before, but when I when I started doing this, uh, I was really worried, like, oh, my God, these are so slow. Like, holy God, like, the pacing is so different in modern films. And I was wondering, like, okay, how do I get kind of get into this? Like, what am I going to do here? And the, one of the most interesting things that's happened to me over the last couple of years is that my attention span has actually dramatically increased uh, yeah, I from watching that. all these movies. And so, you know, now I don't even I don't even notice unless they're really really slow um it's just like oh okay they're telling their story especially when it's a story like this like you said where there's you're right not much in sort of modern terms happens um i think that's a really uh interesting point that you make about about driving versus versus other modes of transportation because even though uh you might be uh, on an airplane for a very long time which you wouldn't be in in this case because i think he's just flying inside Mm -hmm. sweden but even if you were on like a flight to say australia uh you might have a certain amount of headspace, but it's really not an environment that, at least for me... No, not at all, yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, it's it's almost a movie about how productive road trips can be <laughs> <laughs> in terms of clearing your mind and in terms of th- thinking about things. Because basically, at the beginning of the day, like, he starts out and he's, you know, he's he's disturbed and, and um, things aren't going well. And for, for whatever reason, it's not even really explained. He just decides to... He decides he's re- he'd rather drive. And he's having all these thoughts and all these things are going on. And at the end of the day, when he goes to sleep, he's like contented, right? Like he's he's at peace with everything. Um, granted, it was a long, super long day and like a lot of stuff happened. But it kind of speaks to the headspace that you get when you uh, are traveling in a comfortable environment. And also when you're traveling with other people. When you're, you know, that's, we should probably talk about you know, the, the guests that they have, which also I think was, I thought was kind of hilarious. Like, hey, we're, me and my two buds are going to Italy. Will you give us a ride? Yeah, of course, whatever. Hop in. Well, so, okay, yeah. So, so first of all, yeah, I think that uh, that's the other thing about plane travel is that even if you're with someone, like even if he had gone on the flight with his, uh, uh, I guess you would say his maid or, or he had gone with his daughter-in-law, like you're just, mm-hmm. a, it, there's not a lot of space between you and other people. So there's not really a, that, right. that space and you can't just stop and wander around or, you know, say hi to your mom or whatever sure. this and that. But mm-hmm. I, so in terms of the, so what you're referring to there is that along the way um, they pick up two groups of I, I mean, I guess you would say hitchhikers. I guess only one group is really hitchhikers, but they pick up they yeah. pick up this this sort of young lady and her two male companions who are, as you said, traveling to Italy. And so the actress who plays the uh, young lady they pick up, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah yeah. is the same actress that plays his cousin from childhood that he was in love with that married his brother, Sarah. Right. And so, do you think right. that do you think that he picked up those three kids? Because she reminded him of his 
of his long lost lover? Do you think he would have done it anyway? No, I think that he definitely did it because Sarah reminded her, her him of Sarah. Um, cause he, cause he was not a, gen- I mean, this was more alluded to than you really saw it, but he was apparently not a very nice guy. He was apparently not, not the kind of guy who would stop off for a, um, just to pick up some hitchhikers. But I think that because he had this sort of love interest, he had this sort of recollection, he, he was kind of compelled to, um, which I think is okay. I think it was a totally a valid, you know, plot device. But I'm glad he did because it was, you know, it, it made it so much more. They, I really enjoyed those characters. They were they, they, as representations of his youth, which is clearly kind of what they were and what they made him think about. They were they were exactly that. They were like very fun and very like the guys got into a fight and they're like they're very much more emotional and and overall, like I really liked having those characters around. And I'm glad that they were present throughout the. Yeah, film. I thought it led to a couple really uh, awesome moments. For one thing, I think that the chemistry between uh, Borg and Sarah, the young Sarah, was pretty phenomenal. Like, they just got mm-hmm. along really, really well. Um, yep. But also, I thought that the those characters allowed for some of the the little moments of the film that really make it, to me, a Bergman film. And and, and those are like, the, for example, like the moment that the kid asks if he's religious as he's reciting the poetry, or the moment where Sarah has this total disbelief that anyone could believe in God. Right, like she's like, who, who wants to? It's so passe to become a, a a a minister these days. Who would believe in God? You know, it's like, which I also thought was funny and re- and and very telling of like Europe at the time versus America now. <laughs> like, like it's still. I thought that that was interesting. I, I don't know much about you know, um, Northern European history, but I guess I guess for God to be dead in the fifties is pretty. I don't know. Funny. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think Scandinavia traditionally is sort of an interesting relationship. I don't know that much about it either, but I, I think they've traditionally had a really interesting relationship because they are definitely Christian countries, but the youth always seems to be sort of disaffected in that way and, and sort of uninterested. Yeah. So I don't know at what point they become the mainstream. I don't know how that perpetuates in that scenario, but it right. is because you know I know that you know uh, at least in Norway, you know, you get the black metal stuff, and in Sweden, the death metal. Like in our times, where the kids are like super you know paganistic or whatever this is and it's like well their parents were presumably the sarah character in the 50s right or in maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit later so it's like okay how does that all i I, again yeah i agree with you i don't know enough about the history of of scandinavia but it is it is very interesting to me yeah his dreams are pretty telling i enjoyed i didn't i kind of there was a bit of a uh i guess a language barrier with the thing that was written on the chalkboard that he was supposed to understand and he didn't understand i didn't know if those were actual words that actually meant something um, I'm assuming because they were not subtitled that we were not in, that if we were Swedish we would also not be expected to know them because okay. traditionally it, you know with the criterion presentations of these things they try to give you the closest approximation to what you might have had watching the film at the time it was released and in that sense like in the place it was released like you would know what like if, for example, if um, if you're watching a movie and the characters suddenly are speaking in a different language, they might not subtitle that language if it's assumed that the people watching the film or the people in the film also aren't supposed to understand what, yeah. what it is. Well, they even do that a little bit in this film with at the end when they're saying, like, ciao, or what do they say? They say, I think it's Italian, right? They, they speak Italian at the end and they're saying bye and it's not subtitled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the dreams you're talking about, so there's there's two dream sequences. You're talking about the second one where he's sort of in the court. He's being, he's being, yeah, he's, yeah. There's that weird court where that everyone is there, and then there's the dead. He's like asked to inspect the dead woman, and then and the dead woman just laughs at him, <laughs> which was strange, and I didn't fully understand. 
I think that there's a certain amount of the the dreams, both the first dream where he you know sees himself in the casket, which maybe is a little more straightforward to understand, but also the yeah that one was that was because it's like the the clocks don't have hands, and then he sees himself being you know his own death basically. And it's like, okay, clearly I'm running out of, like, it's sending him the signals of, like, I'm running out of time. Right. Yeah, like, that, 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 that felt more straightforward. Yeah, but I think there's a certain amount where we're supposed to get it, and then a certain amount where maybe we're not. And I, I don't think, mm-hmm. I think that might be, in a sense, intentional, because in a way, we're, we're getting a kind of a very intimate look into, into this man's life at this time in his life, and, and, the, and this and that. And we, we aren't going to understand everything. We don't know everything. We, it's an, it's, by right. definition, it's like an incomplete puzzle, right? So, but I think it, you know, and, and, and also the whole, throughout the whole film, he's flashing back to, you know, his childhood and, and this relationship he had with his cousin, never his wife, by the way, his wife is virtually yeah. not present in the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, she does have a name. She though, does have right? a name. Her name's Karen, but Karen, that's what it's, it it's like mostly his cousin. They never mentioned. Oh yeah. Way. She's dead also. So he, she's dead. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I guess the cousin's not dead, but it, it, they never mentioned also, by the way, that that he wanted to marry and his brother married their cousin. But I think, I guess the idea is cousin maybe is a loose translation of the relationship. Yes. I, I'm not really yeah. sure. But um, I, I, I think it would, it, it's, it's very interesting because I think it would be, it would be really interesting to have those moments in your life, but it would also be kind of horrible to watch. The, mm-hmm. Especially because like, to be honest with you, I found his cousin, Sarah, pretty annoying. <laughs> Really? Well, I like her, but I think annoying in in the way that she's kind of supposed to be annoying, right? When she's sitting in the grass and like yelling about. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, or she's kind of just like confused and just back and forth. Yeah, and, she just yeah. kind of like she just feels. I guess maybe annoying is not the right word, but she feels very young. Yes, and so absolutely. Oh yeah, that was the other thing is that the casting for the children, and I'm using air quotes when I say children, um, and I think that maybe this was just an artifact of the time, but like all the people who were supposedly like young people at the time all looked like they were like late 20s, 30s, although they were, I guess, supposed to be portraying people in their teens or like tweens. I think it's unclear at how least old that, they were. It felt, like, to be. it felt like that anyway. It felt like, what's going on? Because they were being scolded and it was like the don't talk unless you're talked to kind of thing at the dinner table. And it's like all those people looked like way older than people who would normally be getting talked to like that by parents. Um, which was a little that was that was a, a moment that I did not really enjoy where it kind of took me out of it hmm. and maybe I misunderstood it uh, but maybe and maybe it was just a an artifact of the time yeah I don't know uh, I, I didn't notice that and, I, and and so I find that interesting um, I'd have to I, I think I kind of know what you mean though especially like the the cut co- the cousin that or the brother that she does marry looks yeah way oh totally older. yeah um, I don't know. I don't know how old we're supposed to think they are, and I think that goes back to what you were saying about not really knowing that much about. And then at that point, we're talking about like 1870s Swedish culture, or whatever. Like, who the yeah. hell knows like yes. how old you were and all this? Guy? I I don't know. So I guess I I maybe I buy in on the, on, on that level because I don't I don't know and I don't maybe I don't want to think about it. I I don't know. But yeah, that that is that's a really good point though. Um, yeah. So I think uh, the, so what did you think about the married couple? So they're, they're, they're driving down the road, and this car comes, and it's coming directly at them on the same lane they're at, and mm-hmm. almost hits them and ends up, like, toppling over, and they take, uh, they give a ride to the to the married couple that are in the that car and eventually kick them out because they're total, well, the husband's a total jerk. What did mm-hmm. you think about that whole thing? So I thought it was interesting that, that the husband is, sorry, um, Borg doesn't really do anything like he he you know gets out and checks out the scene and they they come he invites them to come along 
Or actually, I'm not sure if it's Borg or if it's uh, the the his daughter-in-law. Uh, what's her name? Annetta and and Antoinette and uh, no. Mary. No, it's Marianne. 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 Yeah. 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 I can't remember if it's Borg or Marianne who invite them to come along, but then it's definitely Marianne who kicks them out of the car. Yes. And so I, which is out of place for her because she's normally the nice one, or she she's the one who like aspires to be a nice person and a good person, but then she like literally leaves two people on the side of the road. Um, they are horrible people. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely shitty, um, but. It's a kind of a role reversal for um, Marianne and and Isaac in that they, she is suddenly the 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 rude one, like excising these people who are causing problems or who have troubled relations, um, and Isaac just kind of witnesses this, and I think it's I think it helps him see both you know the problems in his own marriage and also see that those problems can be dealt with, um, which I thought was good. I thought it was a, a subtle but nice thing. It, w- it was a little weird at first when they picked them up and they were so weird and then they were driving along with them and they were so weird. And I was like, what is going on here? And it wasn't kind of until later that I realized that that's what that was supposed to represent. Yeah, that's it. That's, I think you're right. I also wonder if, so the wife of the couple is, is an actress, supposedly, mm-hmm. and the husband is unclear, her, her producer, her, just her husband, I don't know. But I thought maybe there was some sort of statement on, on Bergman's own sort of relationships there, you know, dealing with actresses, uh, possibly. Oh, interesting. He was actually, fun fact, he was having an affair during this movie with the lady who plays Sarah. Fun. Anderson. Yeah. (laughs) And and so that was going on at the same time, which I always find that kind of stuff fascinating when you're looking at a film like this, where characters are, you know, portrayed in certain ways. It's like, okay, I wonder if that's, I wonder how they felt about all all of that going on at the same time. But I, I, because the, the, they are horrible, but I thought the husband in that relationship says some interesting. He's got some interesting moments, like when he when he says to Marianne that uh, she's very attractive, but his wife is past her prime, and therefore, oh, in yeah. a power dynamic way, she can defend the, the his wife. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's. I mean, first of all, you're a douche, but also that's like very interesting. Yeah. That's a weird way to look at things. That's one thing that I did not understand that I would love to ask you about. Sure, was the couple at the gas station. So when they stop for gas and they talk to the couple, and they're like, "Oh, you're the best, Doctor Borg. Thank you so much. Here, we'll pay for your gas. Thanks. Bye." It's not really clear what there's like. Obviously, some subtext of some history there, but it was never fully explained, or maybe it was, but I didn't catch it. It was. So I think the idea there is that uh, that he had done huge things for them as a doctor right that he was so this is the area where he used to live right before he moved to the to the city he lives in now i think he's he lives in stockholm he's traveling back to lund is my understanding but yes so that's correct i i I, I don't i I know that i do think they do say whether it was the mother or maybe it was the wife when she was pregnant but he did some sort of you know doctoring Mm -hmm. Some for mitz- them, some mitzvah, some yeah. He was a real mensch in his doctorness for them, and they're very grateful uh, to him. And I think that the the it's interesting because they 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 do this, and then it, he's kind of feeling like a little hollow. Like, why am I going to get this you know award? Like, it's very kind ah, of empty. Yes. And it's like, oh, I actually did help people. And he says to them, oh, maybe I should never have left here. Right. Right. And they're like very incredulous. They're like, no, of course you needed to move on. Like we were 
that definitely at the time or when I was watching it definitely felt like a he's regretting that he left a life where he was happy like in a place that he, where he was more happy but it totally makes sense from the perspective of him realizing that he has actually helped many people yeah he's had a, yeah. There, there's a reason that they're giving him this degree like right or this this honorary right. whatever you call it like he's done a lot of great stuff and I think you know he he kind of he, he the film open so the entire film is told as the perspective of him writing down this story of this day yes afterwards and it opens up with him sort of talking about himself and he's extremely self aware yeah right? and so he's talking about how he's a very difficult guy and how it makes you know and how he doesn't have many relations because he right. doesn't really like people because they just talk about other people yeah yeah Absolutely. and so I think um, for him a lot of this because because the first time I saw this film the the biggest uh, takeaway that I had was the, and I wrote about this on my on my site, was that the the sort of fear that that I have of uh, someday having children and the emotional weaknesses I have or the damages I've taken mm-hmm. on the issues I have and sure. my fear of passing them on because a lot of the film is about um, he you know he's traveling with his daughter in law who's married to his son and his son is described repeatedly as being extremely similar to him. Uh, and being very emotionally involved and very distant. He says they, they both apparently have t- described themselves as being dead while alive, right? <laughs> being cold in this kind yep. of way. And yep. uh, the son doesn't want kids because of yeah. his own relationship with his dad and his mom. And he might have been... His uh, mom was a real bummer for sure. Yeah, he might be a, he might be a you know, um, uh, the product of a cheating situation and, you know, all these kinds of things. And so for me, you know, the the bittersweetness of this film or this kind of sadness, but but kind of nice sadness to this film is like the idea, yeah, that we, that, you know, I constantly, well, not constantly, but I think about, you know, you know, what, what um, sadnesses will I maybe pass on to my children mm-hmm. that my parents passed on to them, to, to me, I mean, and, and, you know, how do we kind of break cycles and, and, and there is some hope in this film that you can uh, break some of those cycles if you yes. are aware of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you're you're recently married. Is that something you? Oh well, yeah. Um, I don't know if it plays into too much too much into my story. <laughs> <laughs> there's no kids involved. There's no lineage happening. So there's oh, it's, okay. uh, fair it's, enough. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things um, that struck me was uh, the movie is fairly short. Yes, it's only ninety. It's only about I think ninety something minutes long. Almost every Bergman film is between 88 and 95 minutes. And I don't well, know. I actually amazing. don't know. Yeah, it is amazing. And I don't know if there's a historical reason because he made all of his films through uh, Svensk uh, Industry, which is like the main film company in Sweden. I don't know if there was a, a budget thing or a, or a thing. Or maybe he's just such an awesome director that he can just do amazing movies like this in 90 minutes. And it's interesting because it's, it's – uh, at least I found it interesting because comparatively to – more modern movies that are two hours or three hours long, it still it still feels like a lot was packed into the of the film. Like there was, you know, besides the car ride from Lund, sorry, it was to Lund from Stockholm. Yes. Um, besides the you know the length of that journey itself, but just all the other characters that were involved and all the all the various memories that were you know brought to the forefront and all the things that he experienced being relived and retold. Um, in that small amount of space seemed pretty effective and seemed really, you know, surprised, like delightfully effective, I would say. Yeah, I totally agree. I, th- this is something I constantly struggle with 
you know, uh, you know, I have I've all, I've all these movies, and I look at them sometimes, and I'm just like, you know what, Akira Kurosawa, I like your films. Not sure I've got three hours right now to dedicate <laughs> to one of them. You know, like not sure you're really gonna. And and he's one that at least packs that three hours pretty full with greatness. But sometimes I just watch these movies, and I'm just like, did you do you do you win an award if it's longer? <laughs> like, like what, you know. A lot of this seems, and you know, you don't want to second, you know, you don't want to judge too harshly because there's mood and things like that. But I, you know, I've seen films that are 90 minutes that feel like they're wide open, you know, full of emptiness. And I've seen movies that are 90 minutes that feel like they're super packed in and, and movies of all lengths. So I think you can achieve whatever, like, I think that the crutch of saying, oh, well, it's really long because I wanted to make it feel long is you pointless because you can make it, you can make a 10 minute movie feel interminable if you want. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, I also wanted to throw in that I thought that it was a very pretty film. I thought that the cinematography was quite good, especially given the era. There are quite a few shots that are that feel like iconic shots. Like, not having seen them referenced anywhere, really, because I don't know Bergman very well, it seems as though, just based on their look, that they, that they are iconic. Yeah, I mean, I think Bergman... Uh... He worked with primarily two cinematographers through his career. Uh, this one was Gunnar Fischer, and then eventually he uh, switched to Sven Nyquist. But I think in both cases, you know, there are there are so much of his. There's been so much of his work that's been sort of uh, uh, referred to by by many many other uh, film directors uh, over the last you know whatever how many fifty sixty years since these films came out. I mean, the the classic example, of course, is the. Um, uh, the Seventh Seal with uh, the representation of death that was used in everything from, uh, you know, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey to, to you know, everything else. Um, <laughs> but I think that, yeah, I think a lot of the the style, and I actually think that th- that's one of the reasons why this film, which is from 1957, to me feels uh, not contemporary, but but much less out of touch with modern times because it yeah, looks like a modern movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it certainly it, does. Yeah. Like yeah. You could see this. You could see a movie that looks like this being made today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I agree. I'm, I think that's great. So the the reason I chose this film for you was because you specifically asked to watch a, an Ingmar Bergman film, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and this is one that I love. And I didn't want to choose The Seventh Seal because, while I think it's a phenomenal film that you should absolutely watch, I was a little worried that the that with that one at this point in, in history, you have to overlook the parodies that have happened in order to take in. The, the emotion of what it's trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's hard for you to say how this rates as a first experience when you haven't had any others. But I, so I, yes. guess I'll just say, I guess I'll just say, did this inspire you or does this inspire you, do you think, to watch more of his films? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I, I, I'm, I'm always a little worried when I'm watching anything that's, you know, pre-70s, pre-60s. Like the further back you go, the more slower and drawn out um, the films tend to be. And the harder they are to follow, because you know, being being a millennial and having a attention span that's you know thirty three nanoseconds long, it's difficult to to, to pay attention to those things, um, especially when the when the plot lines are just you know things that are not things that we would run into anymore, especially when it's like the entire plot is solved by cell phones kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Whereas this this was not that. I mean, there's there was nothing about this plot that wasn't a regular part of like the human experience. Um, so yeah, know, knowing that and knowing, you know, more about Bergman, I think totally for sure I would watch more. Well, I definitely think that there are quite a few that 
I think would would knock your socks off. Um, he was just a he's a very special director, and I think uh, the themes he was dealing with, uh, you know, a, a faith, the, the human condition, our relationships with each other, um, you know, sacrifice, what, uh, wondering if we're doing things for any purpose or just sort of wandering around in the darkness. You know, he's kind of a. You might think he might have been a depressing guy, right? But like, but uh, I think there's a. Every film of his I've seen so far, I've just been completely blown away by. So I think, um, you know, I would definitely recommend uh, The Seventh Seal. I would recommend Persona. Um, I think that you would you would probably really really get a kick out of a bunch of his stuff. Cool. Yeah. I'll, tr- I'll try to watch some more. <laughs> right on. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to, to say about this one? Um, no, I think we pretty well covered it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's a it's a great film. It's It's, you know, it's... It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's one, so I've seen it a couple times now, and I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know if you're the kind of person who watches films more than once, I would tend to doubt yep. it. I, oh, no, I, I, I do, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I will say that I think it, it definitely rewards uh, subsequent viewings, uh, because there is a lot, like you said, packed in there, mm-hmm. and I think uh, some of the stuff, as I've watched it again, I've sort of seen uh, aspects of it, like, like you said with the, um, the couple at the gas station, like I think there's a lot of stuff like that where it's like, okay, I just kind of was getting through it the first time and trying to figuring out who everyone is and what's going on. And then you watch it again and you're like, oh, okay, I, I can kind of take in those moments. And also with any movie where you, you know, especially if you don't watch a lot of subtitled films, mm-hmm. uh, you also just get more comfortable with that. And you Yeah. Know. You know, it's being said so you can pay more attention to the characters. In the text. Exactly. You can yeah, look around sure. a little bit more. You're not reading as much. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. right on. Well, uh, did you, uh, when I had your uh, wife on this podcast uh, a few episodes ago, she was not interested in uh, promoting anything she was doing of any kind, which I thought was delightful. But do you have anything you would like to mention? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, there might be a reason. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. Married. I totally do. Um, I recently worked on a web service for a game that just came out. Yeah. Called, called Firewatch. Yeah. Um, by a company called Campo Santo. I don't work at Campo Santo. I work at Panic, which is a company that is involved in the production of, of Firewatch. Um, I merely got to write some web stuff for them, and it was a great experience. And the game itself is wonderful. It's fantastic. It's a it's a fairly short narrative style video game um, where you're a character named Henry and you escape to the Wyoming wilderness for the summer to take a job as a Firewatch. And uh, you kind of play through him, and it's it's just uh, I won't reveal any more, but it's just it's a great it's a great time. It's worth playing. So I have uh, played Firewatch completely through once. I plan on doing that uh, many more times. Cool. And I, I just want to say, if you, I'm sure everyone out there knows this, Firewatch is incredible. But I I wanted to say it's not that dissimilar in some ways to this film <laughs> right like there's there are yes. i'm not even being i'm not even no. being ridiculous there are similarities in, in storytelling Absolutely. style and in length certainly as well but in storytelling style to this to this uh film and a kind of a similar i would say a similar bittersweetness to some of the to some of the best moments absolutely firewatch is excellent and uh i heavily recommend uh everyone out there also uh if you are it, like me at the intersection of um technology and uh cinema uh y- if you find uh patrick's some of patrick's recent writing on technical uh, topics it is excellent so um oh, gibson.com yes that's uh, and there's some some great stuff there i i'm oh, not gonna let you. him not get away with not promoting it because it is, <laughs> it is awesome um 
As for me, uh, listeners can find out more about uh, this show uh, and read my film writings at cinemagadfly.com or find me on Twitter at cinemagadfly. And we will be back uh, next time to discuss the film that uh, Patrick chose for me. And uh, I look forward to seeing you all then. All right. Good night. Thank you.